I had a lot of dreams based on music, you know. I I I wrote all all styles like the Portuguese fado, which is a very characteristic thing. I wrote classical music for choir and orchestra. I wrote uh, you know bossa nova from Brazil. I wrote this pop rock, you know, albums. And in a period of my life, this is was really the important thing, you know, being a doctor or being a um, uh, mad student was something it was cool but yeah this is my yeah, thing yeah, you know music yeah. was my thing but gradually it was like this okay and so even if the passion is there you never lose your passion but it's like passion and love okay so medicine was a love you build the love and you are the passion is yeah. okay. Okay. Again, I said I lost my balance, but I found some passion in 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 rhinoplasty. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Rhinoplasty Podcast with me, Dr. Cameron McIntosh. We're in the month of June, which has been enabled by Vectra from Canfield Scientific. Guys, Vectra make the coolest camera and morphing system. So if you don't have it, make sure you get it. Um, so that brings me to the guest for tonight. Now, let's just say, this is a man I've been trying to nail down for more than a year to sit in front of a microphone and interview. And it is an absolute pleasure and privilege. All the way from Portugal, Carlos Neves, thank you so much for being on today's episode with us. Thank you, Cameron. Man, you're so good. No chance. You're so good. You're, you're such a great interviewer. You're amazing. No. <laughs> Thank you. But yeah, no, <laughs> no one's told me I'm good before. I just look up to these rhinoplasty masters around the world. And so, Carlos, I want to kick off. You know, I sat my facial plastic board exams in Washington, D.C., and if it wasn't for me coming to the course that you ran in, uh, in Portugal a few years ago, just beforehand, I don't think I would have passed because the amount of stuff I learned from you was amazing. So for the listeners out there, who might not have heard from you. I don't know, maybe they're living under a rock or something. I mean, you're going to become the president of the European Association of, or, of Facial Plastic Surgery, but where did this whole journey start? Um, so a long time ago, during my residency, um, I realized that I could not understand the rhinoplasty subject. In, in my department, no one could teach me. And so I decided to, you know, to search outside and I had the lucky to, in one meeting, uh, to meet, this is a very nice story, man. And, and so I meet Dr. Tony Bull, the one. And so someone introduced me to him and, and he said, oh, Dr. Dr. Bull, this is Carlos Neves, he's a resident in last year, in the fourth year. And uh, you, you know, he would like to learn, you know, something about rhinoplasty. And he said, it was with that, you know, the suitcases to catch the plane, you know, the meeting was, you know, reaching the end. And he said, okay, okay, um, you know, I'm late for my flight, but just, you know, he gave me a napkin or something, a paper. And he said, just write me here your address. And so I wrote my address and, and I said, okay, you know, okay. One address in his pocket and a paper from a resident in Lisbon. And so, man, one week after... I had this letter in my mail from Dr. Tony Bull saying it was really nice to meet you, you know, in Portugal. It was in Oporto, in fact. And please, 
I'm so happy to welcome you in our next meeting in the Royal Surgeon, uh, uh, Royal College of Surgeons in London next April or May, I can remember exactly, and let's have a chat there. And I was so, oh my God, man, I was a resident and I, you know, I got this letter from God, from Dr. Tony Bull, you know, the beginner of everything <laughs> in the European Academy of Physical Plastic Surgery, and I was so excited. And then the funny thing, I went to, you know, to this meeting in London, and so I was, you know, a little once, you know, uh, and I was there, um, you know, looking to everybody, and I was the youngest one. And so I came to him and I said, hey, Dr. Sonny, do you remember me? And I said, mm, oh, you are the Portuguese guy, right? And I said, yeah, we met in a port. And I said, oh, yeah, I remember. So what is your goal? Can you repeat me? What, is, what do you have in mind? And I said, yeah, I, I would like to learn something, you know, in rhinoplasty. And I said, you know, I'm not the right person for you because I'm retiring, but I'm going to write you an email. And he wrote me, uh, Julian Rojones email and said you, you you need to you know to send an email to this guy he's going to help you and so I went to London <laughs> so he could write me an email but it was fantastic because he wrote me this email I wrote to Julian Julian you know he accepted me for almost three months I was in my fourth year yes and so it was like you know like a domino because when I was, uh, I, I went to, 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 to London in, in October or something like that, and the week before or before I went there, I decided to go to, to, to Amsterdam, to Dr. Trenita's meeting. And when I was there, it was my first meeting in Plus, you know, I was new in the field. And so when I was there, I, I met Tom Wong. And so Tom Wong uh, um, said, yeah, we are doing meetings in, in, in US, in Portland, Oregon. And I said, oh, if I go to the meeting, can I, you know, be with you one month? And he said, yeah, of course, you're very welcome. And so I went to Portland. And, you know, when I got into the room, the, 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 the surgical room, the operating theater, I got into the room and someone said, bon dia, means in Portuguese, good morning. And I said, oh, my God. And I was in Portland. And so I look and he said, hello, I'm Mario Ferraz from Brazil. So I met Mario Ferraz in my first day in Portland. And Mario said, so we became good friends. We are brothers today. And he said, Carlos, you need to go to south of Brazil. You need to meet this guy, Wilson Davis. And so it brought me to what I'm talking a lot today, Preservation Runner Plus. So in 2007, eight. I went to Brazil, I met the master at the time, nobody was talking about, that, that I knew, of course, there are a few doctors uh, more in the world doing this, but this, it was, you know, the first time I had the contact with this push down or, or the spar, as he calls it. Uh, and, and so my journey in, in, in preservation around plus and conservative approach to the dorsum started there, but you see that the evolution. So I started with the napkin, in Tony Bull's pocket saying, I'll send you a letter and he sent it, man. And it makes a huge difference. And let me know that I'm receiving, uh, so I have the fellows of the European Academy of Facial Plastic Surgery, as you know, and then I have observers. So each month I receive two observers. And, and let me tell you that we have everything occupied till August, 2027. So we have five no. years of waiting for people to come, yeah. And, and, you know, I respect them so much. I try to do my best to help them. 
because I was helped, yes. you know, someday back there. And if it wasn't this help, I was no one. I was a kid, yeah. you know, trying to, you know, know someone in the field. And suddenly there was the God giving me, you know, like this, Carlos, where are you going to go? You go here. And, and then the way just opened. It's interesting, isn't it? That's so cool, eh? That's one of the coolest stories I've heard in a long time. Eh? Sure. Hey, how's that? Yes. Yeah, it's, it's truth, man, honestly. Oh, the, so, so, but so a few weeks ago, I was in Istanbul and I'd arranged with Goxel to go and watch him operate. On my, I was on my way through to Peter Hellings' meeting in Brussels. So I get to the OR and Goxel like was delaying because my flight was delayed to the operations. We could spend a lovely day in the, in, in the OR together. Then he says to me, listen, I've got bad news. I've canceled my patient for tomorrow. And I'm thinking, no, man, I've come all the way to Istanbul to watch you operate. Now you're not doing another case. So he says to me, but wait, I've spoken to Barish and he says we can come and watch him tomorrow. So Goxel and me cruise off to go and see Barish operating. We finish the case. We go into the change room and Tioman Dogan comes walking out, says, Cameron, what are you doing here? Come, we do another operation. So within less than 24 hours, I was the three of the masters of Turkey. It's, it's amazing how this rhinoplasty world works. Eh? Yo. Yeah, it's so great. Yeah, when, when you go to Istanbul, you know, you can find a lot of good guys with rhinoplasty. So it just, you hit a stone and there's a guy doing rhinoplasty perfectly behind, you know, below the stone. It's amazing. No, it's not so. But, but I think, so I'm really keen to know a little bit more about your time with Wilson Davis down in, in South America. I mean, this is like, at the moment, it's this big thing all about preservation, rhinoplasty, etc. And we've been talking a lot about it on the podcast. But these guys have been at it in South America for a long time. And you've come up with a Tetris concept. So there's listeners from more than 70 countries around the world. I think for, obviously, the guys who are very advanced, but they're also people who are kind of just new to this preservation rhinoplasty thing. So I really just want to ask you questions about that. Like, how did you get into it? How has it philosophically changed the way you approach rhinoplasty? Okay, so when you, you know, when you have the luck to meet someone like Wilson Davis, and Wilson Davis is something special. I think he was one of the genius guys in rhinoplasty of all times, honestly. Um, because when I was with him in the room, everything was so logical, you know? He, he used to say something interesting that I'm repeating in my, in my operating rooms. I say, if you cannot find, you know, the solution, just call a carpenter because these guys, they know the solution because it's to put the pieces together. It's, you know, to put another thing, to make them, you know? And this guy, he, he was not an academic. In fact, he never wrote a paper. That's why I insisted with him to write this paper in the, you know, last year journal in, in, in preservation rhinoplasty that I, you know, had the honor and the pleasure to be as the guest editor. And I said, so Wilson Davis, I want you to write a paper. Mm. And I said, Carlos, but you know, I don't know how to write a paper. And I said, I will help you. Mario will help you. Let's do it as a family because we are a family doing that since, you know, last 15. Uh, in fact, he's the best man when I got married. He's my best man. Amazing. <laughs> so he's my, you know, it's like a real family. And I said, you 
it's impossible for you to, you know, to, to stop your store in Rhinoplasty without having a paper talking about this. And so um, the most amazing thing that I learned from him is that open your channels, as he used to say, you know, be creative. Think about a solution. Don't follow all the rules because sometimes the dogmas just cut innovation because if you follow all the rules, you read a lot of papers, okay, you need to have the basic knowledge. Mm. But this is something for you to fly after. Mm. It's not just follow the rules. And so for me, what really changed was not only about the conservative approach, because in the beginning I was doing that, I was not happy because we, in fact, you, we create some stigmata, let's say, some, some noses that I look at and I know that they were, you know, operated under this preservation concept and I didn't like it. I couldn't get the result as I would like to get. And so I had like this sinusoidal curve. So I used to do it. When I came from Brazil, I was doing most of my cases using these conservative approaches. We, we, as you know, we didn't call it at the time preservation. It's a new term, but the philosophy was there. And so I was kind of changing in between, you know, preservation and, and structure. That's why I needed to, so with my failures, I needed to understand where, you know, my blocking points were, why, why am I not able to give a better result in these cases. And so you talked about Tetris, it's not about Tetris. Tetris is just a flap mm. at, at, at the septum, but there's a lot of things going on in, you know, a conservative approach to the dorsum uh, that, you know, is really important, contributes for you to have the nicest results you can have. And as I used to say, if you don't, if you don't feel yourself capable of this is not the best result, uh, case for you to get the best mm -hmm. result on the preservation. Preservation, uh, Cameron, the pa patients, they don't care about the technique. Yeah. Use. Patients care about the results you get. 100%. And ultimately, we need to care about the results we get. The patients, they don't go after you because you do preservation, because you do ultrasonic, because you do... Yeah. They go because look at the results you can deliver. Mm. Okay? So if you ask me, so why are you doing preservation um, nowadays more than five years ago, or why do you go with this sinusoidal curve? Because there are few things that I added recently, and um, of course the Tetris helps a lot, because, and you know the Tetris is something that, you know, allows me to play with the level and to the orientation of the old pyramid, not only the cartilage, but also the bone. So. I, you know that I like to call it the segmental mm -hmm. preservation rhinoplasty because I can control each segment of the nose. Uh, but then I started to add other stuff like, do you know Emre Elam? It does a lot of burrs. And um, four years ago, we went to our you know uh, lab here and where we have nice you know uh, specimens and we can dissect the face. And so. Um, four years ago, as I was saying, uh, he brought his own burrs and he said, Carlos, I, I, I want to, you know, because mm. it's, it's not easy for me to have the head. So I'll, I'll, I'll go to, with you to the lab and I'm bringing my, my burrs and I want, you know, to try something in, in, in the cadaver and I want to film it and blah, blah, blah. And when I saw it, I saw, man, I can adapt this to, to preservation, in fact. And so I started using it. Um, and, and, and Cam, it changes completely yeah. some concepts like the S-shape, V-shape, 
why doors some up I don't care mm. honestly because you can shape can reshape everything mm. I like to and I'm calling it now the precision preservation run of plastic okay. because you, you do preservation but you can be precise yes. and there's another stuff you can do the dorsal static line osteotomies and you can bring it up so it's it's not I think and because I'm in the field you know long time ago I think it's not about this pure preservation of the dorsum it's not the solution for 90% of the cases in my mind mm. because if you bring it down and you live as it is most of the times you don't have the nice result yeah. that you want you yeah. need to do something more mm. after the mm. surgery so there are two movements one is bringing it down and flex it this is one movement the second movement is do I need more to refine my results to the profile to the lateral walls to the cartilage. So um, the question is, am I really doing preservation? Because I do a lot of stuff in the lateral. Yeah. So for me, I'm doing preservation in between the dorsal static lines. This is what I want to do because this is where the patients palpate and very, very rarely they palpate problems laterally. So we are, you know, kind of solving this problem. And the other stuff is the three-quarters view. They call it my profile. It's not the profile. It's the three-quarters view. If the if I can have this continuity, this the continuity line in between bone and cartilage, I'm preserving, I'm designing, I'm shaving these dorsal static lines. So whenever I can, for sure I do preservation. Mm. Do I do structure on a plastic? A lot. I have months that I do a lot of um, sorry, structure because I do a lot of revision. So I do a lot of rebuilding of, yeah. of, of all the framework. So sure. this is the story of my life. <laughs> so, okay. But slightly varying off on the rhinoplasty, you do a lot of facial plastic surgery as well. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, my, 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 my main core business is, is, is rhinoplasty. I'm known for rhinoplasty. You know, I used to have this conversation even here in the clinic. And as I said, I have other colleagues working with me. Uh, I'm doing facelifts, I'm doing blasts, I'm doing autoplasty. Um, I'm doing steady medicine even if I have you know, other people doing that and I'm trying to send them most of these patients. One, one of the things, and today we saw a six days beautiful results of deep plane facelift and people ask, Carlos, why don't you advertise more of these cases? Cameron, I'm afraid of because we have one and a half uh, years of waiting lists. Man, I I twelve I, I work twelve hours a day, sometimes six days a week. I travel a lot. I it's like I I lost myself in, yeah. in this you know in this flood, and so I'm scared of you know mm -hmm. of advertising more. So I have other people to do that, but I love to do it honestly. I love oculoplastics. I think oculoplastics is delicate surgery. I like the dissection of deep plane facelift. It's like, wow, you go. But still, uh, I do mainly, like, let's say, 80% of my, my working days are on Okay, so how do you maintain the balance then? I mean, you booked out as a fellow for five years for patients to come see you for a year and a half, and you're traveling and you've got all these commitments to the EAFPS and your own teaching and stuff. What do you do to remain balanced? I don't think I'm balanced anymore. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. 
<laughs> I think I think I need to find a new balance, honestly. Okay, that's cool. So when do you find time to go and cut your hair? Um, I used to have a very strong hobby, uh, which is which was music. Yeah. So if I look back when I when I went to med school, I had this conceptual fight with my my father because I wanted to follow music, man. I was in in a in a musical school. I was a good student. It was my passion, and I said, I don't know if I want to be a doctor because you know I. I live my life based on passion because, you know, I work hard because it's a creation thing. I like to be creative. Everything I do, I put my heart on it. And and rhinoplasty world is about creativity, and that's why you know I work hard, but I still keep I keep working. Yes, yeah, yeah. you know, this number of hours and this number, you know, and so you know, looking back there, so for me it was about you know living in this creativity and I had this, I had a band, so I had a lot of projects. Man, we recorded albums. I, the last album we recorded, The Mastered, was produced in, in Manhattan, in New York. And so I had a lot of dreams based on music, you know. I, I, I wrote all, all styles like the Portuguese Fado, which is a very characteristic thing. I wrote classical music for choir and orchestra. I wrote, uh, you know, Bossa Nova from Brazil. I wrote this pop rock, you know, albums. And in a period of my life, this was really the important thing. You know, being a doctor or being a, um, a mad student was something, it was cool. But yeah, this is my yeah, thing, yeah, you know, music yeah. was my thing. But gradually it was like this, okay? And so even if the passion is there, you never lose your passion. But it's like passion and love, okay? So medicine was a love. You build the love and you are. The passion is, yeah. okay, okay, again, I said I lost my balance. But I found some passion in, in, in rhinoplasty because of creativity. Okay, I can do, I can work without sleeping, without eating, if, if it's a passion for me, that's, you know, this flame, okay? But again, um, I think with time, uh, because you have some goals, I have some goals, even if, I never put goals in my life, honestly. I arrived here without thinking, I want, you know, yeah, to achieve yeah, that yeah. position, never. It was a coincidence. Even in the academy, I I said, man, I don't want to be part of it. I don't want it. I, they, they pressed me, they pressed me. Carlos, I need to come, I need to come. But now I have a goal that is in two, three years, I need to reduce it dramatically. Mm. And you talked about our friends in Istanbul and these guys are like doing one surgery in the morning, then they have quality of life. Man, this is what I want for me, yeah. honestly. I, I, I want to follow their steps. And, and hopefully when I find this balance again, I can put music again in my life. Okay, so here's my challenge for you because I've actually seen you play some instruments on Goxel's phone. Next year in Berlin, okay, <laughs> yes. at the IMRS meeting, the big global masters, which, guys, the listeners, make sure you come. It's in Berlin, 30 June until the first few days of July. There's going to be, it's going to be the most amazing rhinoplasty meeting. So, do uh, you know why it's going to be amazing? Because Carlos Neves and a few other boys are going to make a band and play some music for us. How about that? 
Yeah, the greatest gig ever. You know, we've been talking about that, let's honestly. I was like, man, that's really nice something. Let, let's make a band and run a plastic band. It would be really great. I think, you, I think you guys have to do that next year. I, I have not got a musical. What about you? What do you want to play? <laughs> I'll play the fool, man. <laughs> No, 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 no. I'll get my kids to come and play. They, they're far more musical than their dad. Or I'll beat the drum a little bit. But I think you guys should seriously consider doing something like that next year. Why not? Why not? Yeah. Okay. Let's think about that. So I want to, I, I, I mean, it's been so interesting to chat to you, but I want to ask a few more questions. I've got, got up my sleeve. Tell me about some really interesting patients you've operated on. What do you mean, interesting patients? So that can um, be cra crazy patients or funny patients or some amusing stories of your career. Um, <laughs> let me tell you a funny story. Okay, so 10 years ago, around even probably a bit more, um, I was invited by a colleague of mine here in Spain you know, to run a meeting uh, in her hospital, she's a colleague. And so we went there and, you know, the health system, they didn't give permission to do a big meeting. And so we did a kind of a small one, like 10 people in the war and everybody was like, you know, sharing. Okay, so we had two days of surgery. So we went, we went and did the first day of surgery and it was really nice. And, and people, you know, then we went for dinner, you know, some drinks. And man, I was so tired the day after, and I was really tired and we drunk. And so we needed to be in the war again at 8.30. And so I was, oh, and I brought my nurse. This is a guy that, you know, we're like best friends here. And I, I do my surgery without asking because he knows, you know, all the steps after and it's like gestures and we keep talking about other stuff. But you know, both of us, I think most of the people, we're like really, you know, um, um, we were, I'm, I'm not, I, we're not in an hangover, of course, but we, are, we were almost there. Okay, really tired. And so um, at the time I, I was using rasps and so I, when I get to the dorsum and I was doing the rasp redu reduction, I was like rasping, rasping, and you know, all this movement, and I started to feel some nausea, man. And I was like, oh my God. And I said to the nurse, and he said, hey, Ni, it's Ni, my name is Ni. I said, Ni, you need to help me, man. And oh, and I was, I was speaking in Portuguese. Even if Portuguese and Spanish is really similar, if I mumble the words, they don't understand it. And with a mask, and I said, hey, Ni, you need to help me, man. I'm, I'm getting, you know, dizzy, and I feel some nausea, and you need to help me. And I said, how, how come? How can I help you? You need to rasp? I said, what? <laughs> and I said, yes, you need to rasp, you know. You put the rasp like that, you don't go that way, and you just put the rasp. And he said, but this is the left side, I need to use my left hand. And I said, okay, please do it. Just use your left hand, you can do it. I, I, I can guide you. And he said, okay. <laughs> so he started rasping with the left hand, and there was this big silence in the room, like everybody around us, you know, because this is, you know, 10 yeah. people around us, look, you know. And there was the silence. And so after like 10 seconds, the nurse says, but the nurses in Portugal, they do surgery? And I said, no, 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 not in Portugal, but here in Spain, yes, they do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Oh, that's fantastic. Yes, that's a great story. Yeah. Wow. So it was a really typical morning, but with a great story. Yeah, well, this is what this podcast is all about, guys. You know, we learn so much and we get all this academic knowledge, but to actually get underneath the skin of these masters, it's just, that's why I'll stay awake at night and, and record, etc. guys. So, sure. Carlos, man, thank you very much, eh? Um, I think it's been one of the the most intriguing chats I've had in in two years of doing this uh, Rhinoplasty podcast. Guys, I want to make a shout out to Vectra again. Thank you guys for enabling this. Thank you for allowing this podcast to go all around the world. And I hope it just grows from strength to strength. So, yeah, Carlos, thanks, man. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing you in a few months in in London at the meeting and then next year in Brazil seeing you and the band. I'm I'm really looking forward to that. It's going to be great, eh? Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. The greatest band ever. The greatest Rhinoplasty rock band ever. (laughs) Awesome. Well, guys, come back again next week. We've got a few other speakers lined up, but geez, they're going to have big boots to fill after listening to um, Carlos. And listen, last last thing, eh? Good luck with going for that haircut. I hope you find some time. Yeah, you know, I was trying to prepare myself to to this interview, but... I couldn't find the time, so... <laughs> you look like the Einstein <laughs> Rhinoplasty now. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if it's a compliment or not. Okay. <laughs> I will do my hair. I will do okay. it. <laughs> Cheers, guys. We'll listen to you all again next week. Eh? <laughs>